We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Everyone and welcome back to another episode of a Pack a Day podcast. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thank you so much for making us part of your day. My name is Nick Schmitz, and I will be your host for today. And here we sit, the Wednesday after Championship Weekend, and well, it was it was a good season, far surpassing expectations for the Packers. Fourteen total wins, four total losses. Two of them, unfortunately, to the 49ers, who will now be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Um, not a whole lot to say at this point. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast, I'm sure everybody has covered every pretty much last bit of the NFC Championship game. So no rehash there. But just just know that where this team was for the last two years to where they finished this year... Yeah, it's a disappointing falling short, especially coming so close it is, but it's a great building block for the fourth youngest team, I believe, in the NFL right now, and a Hall of Fame quarterback and a rookie head coach to have their first taste of success be the NFC Championship game. I think most teams would call that a successful first year of a new coaching staff. So be proud of that. Be happy. 
they could be a whole hell of a lot further away than where they are right now. So it was a great season, disappointing end to it nonetheless. But remember, when the NFL season ends in two weeks, about a week and a half now, be, let's be realistic about it. There's going to be 31 teams that are going to end the season in what they consider a very disappointing fashion. So there can only be one. Unfortunately, this year it was not Green Bay. But, like I said, great building block from here on out. So with that, I'm going to bring in the rest of the crew here, Maggie and Jacob. And, guys, I know it wasn't the way we wanted the season to end, but like we've talked about so many times specifically on our show that, you know, this was far surpassing expectations, and it just—it's nice to see that you know. First year, I didn't have many expectations for Matt Lafleur and the coaching staff. You know, it far surpassed expectations. But I know you guys have enjoyed the ride this far, and so we're gonna start some of the off-season talk now. Yes, the season, the NFL season as a whole, still got the Super Bowl to go. I know even though the Packers are not in it, I am going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it. I love watching the Super Bowl. It's one of my favorite sporting events to watch, even if the Packers aren't playing in it. But we're going to kind of get a jump start right now on Green Bay's offseason. So Maggie, Jacob, we're going to be looking at the biggest needs for this team in the offseason. And we talked before uh, we started here what we think the three biggest team needs are going into the offseason. We didn't share with each other because Maggie was interested to know if we all have the same kind of thought process on what are some of the biggest needs for the Packers this offseason. So, Maggie, I'm going to start there with you. What do you think the three biggest needs are for this team heading into the offseason? So my three, in no particular order, are wide receiver, defensive line, inside linebacker. All right, and Jacob, are you are you in agreement with that, or do you or do you look are you looking elsewhere for a need with this team? Uh, defensive line to me is number one. Uh, linebacker is two, and receiver is three. I will say this though: if Brian Bulaga is not retained, offensive line I think goes to the top of the list. Um, I think that, and my reasoning behind that is. I think you've seen, and we kind of talked about it, if you look at Green Bay's losses in the postseason, the Seattle game doesn't really count from a few years ago, and the Atlanta game not as much either. But a lot of their postseason losses, and Sunday was no exception, was getting run off the field in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And when Green Bay won the Super Bowl, they were dominant up front on both sides. They had a very good pass-blocking unit in 2010. They had a disruptive defensive line. In front four. Now I think they have a good start to a front with the Smith brothers and Kenny Clark, but they need some other guys that can kind of make some plays there. With all due respect to Dean Lowry, I don't think he's a high level starter. I think he's a you know a good second tier rotational type player. Um, and I think that your offensive line, I had you know I had I kind of made this joke earlier. I had somebody tell me today, well, like you know they're good, they're okay, they're fine on their offensive line or whatever like that. Well. As Aaron Rodgers gets older, you really don't want to settle for fine up front, and especially against some of these teams. You're going to face some vicious pass rushes going to the Super Bowl. Those are the teams that – that's one of the reasons that teams like that are there. They're really good at rushing the quarterback. So that's what that's going to be. Um, You know, I think receiver is going to be the one that a lot of people are looking at all year long, but I really think that you've seen – 
Alan Lazard is a functional player, a good player. Devontae Adams is obviously Devontae Adams. There aren't, there isn't a, an Alan Lazard on the defensive line. There isn't an Alan Lazard at linebacker. So that's why I think those needs to take precedence. And there isn't an Alan Lazard at offensive tackle if Balaga leaves either. So, you know, I think that that's an interesting discussion. I'm not saying they don't need those, but I definitely think that your your trenches are are definitely big needs, and they're going to be every year. Well, Maggie, to answer your question, to see if all three of us were on the same page, um, the answer is yes, we are all on the same page here, with it, at least amongst the three of us. Yes, I was going to say wide receiver, inside linebacker, and defensive line. Now, Jacob, you gave a specific order in which you feel is the, you know, prioritizing at this point uh, you know I, I I agree that all three of those are needs I don't necessarily know if I have an idea yet as to which one needs to be addressed first second and third but you know Maggie as we look forward to this offseason you know you look at the defensive line right now it's Kenny Clark and that seems to kind of be it There's a lot of questions as to whether or not Blake Martinez is going to be retained next year. There's lots of belief on both ends there that, yes, he will be back. No, he won't be. He'll be too expensive. Um, And then, obviously, Jacob, as you pointed out, right now it seems like the wide receiver room is Devontae Adams and then Alan Lazard, and, and that's kind of about it. So... Maggie, you know, what are your thoughts on Blake Martinez? Is he going to be back? Are they going to be looking for someone in the draft? How do they fill that hole at linebacker? Yeah, so the Blake Martinez thing is really tricky to me just because I I don't necessarily know if I think he'll be back. I think given the camaraderie of this team and how, um, you know, tight-knit the team was in general, I think that he could come back for – a maybe more team friendly price, but I also think that if it's an astronomical difference between uh, his market value in Green Bay versus what he would get on the open market, then I don't see him being willing to come back. And I wouldn't necessarily blame him. Um, but I think it's also kind of interesting that the Packers have invested draft capital at inside linebacker for a couple of seasons now, with Oren Burks as high as a third rounder and Ty Summers. Um, as a seventh rounder, and neither one of these guys has really seen the field. And when you're looking for athletic, explosive linebackers, those are two guys that do that, that have been relegated to special teams. So I don't know if they would expect either of those two guys to make a jump, but I would also think that if they were looking at them as potential starters at inside linebacker, they would have had an opportunity to try that already, at least in some sub packages. Um, So that's, I guess, the interesting part of inside linebacker to me is – you know, how this defense either will have to work around Blake Martinez because if he comes back, he's obviously uh, the Mike and he's obviously an every down inside linebacker or if they'll go a different route and bring speed to that middle of the field. Well, and, you know, and then the other question then becomes is, you know, I I know a, a lot of what everybody's looking at, Maggie, is, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't getting any younger. He turned, what, 36, 37 this year? Um you know, he's he's getting up there in age. One of the big things, as Jacob pointed out, is as Aaron Rodgers gets older, he's not going to be as mobile. And even to a certain extent, you've we've already kind of seen the deterioration of Aaron Rodgers and his ability to move. He can still move, but it's certainly not like it was even even just a couple of years ago. 
And so, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's, he's up there in age. So the reality is, is you have to start wondering, you know, how many years of good football does he have left and how many years do, do you have to devote to drafting and developing you know, these players. So Maggie, the next question then becomes is when we start looking at these needs throughout the team, obviously, yes, some, if not most of the answer is just the reality of the league is, and a salary cap is that you're going to do most of this through the draft. But, you know, they had big free agent signings last year with Preston and Zadarius Smith, who were awesome this past season. You had Adrian Amos, who you added um, in the defensive back. And so the question becomes is, do you see Green Bay addressing any of these potential issues through free agency in this offseason? And if so, is there one position that, you know, free agency-wise lends itself well to being filled through free agency instead of the draft? So I think that that's a really good point, and that is something that I think with this Packers team, having a young defense, especially now that they brought in free agents last season to kind of groom that defense, bring up some of the young starters – uh, like Preston and Zadarius grooming uh, Rashawn Gary, Adrian Amos grooming Darnell Savage. The defense is pretty set, and I think if they bring in a couple of rookies, that room is pretty solid. Um, I like the idea, like you mentioned, um, just not, or I guess knowing how much time it takes Aaron Rodgers to get acclimated with some receivers um, and with some of his targets. I think Jay Sternberger is coming along. But I do really like the idea of the Packers looking for a wide receiver or a tight end in free agency that has some NFL experience already. Um, I think we saw that with um, Mercedes Lewis coming in with Jimmy Graham. They didn't necessarily have playing experience before two years ago uh, with Aaron Rodgers, but because there was that veteran understanding of, you know, how to practice, how to be in a locker room, how to um, kind of be on the same page with the quarterback it was easier for Rodgers to adjust to them rather than guys like MVS who are having trouble getting on the same page, running those routes with Rodgers, which was also a big problem we saw in 2018. So I do think if the Packers have to address any positions in free agency this season, wide receiver and maybe tight end would be some really good ideas there um, to get him more experience on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, well, and then, so I guess then the next question becomes is the reality of the draft. You're going to have to fill some of this through the draft. And, you know, I guess one of the things that you really need from drafts, draft picks, obviously, is you need to get lots of production from these young players while they are still on rookie contracts. So realistically, you know, you, you look at Brian Gutekunst's first two drafts, you have Jair Alexander, who has turned into a pretty good player, uh, but it seems like beyond that first draft, there hasn't been a whole lot of production um, through the rest of the draft class. And obviously, you excuse all the rookies from this past year because it was, you know, their first year in the league. So Elton Jenkins was great in his rookie year. Darnell Savage was very good. And that was kind of about the extent of the help that you got from the rookie class. But again, like I said, it's their rookie year, so you kind of give them, you know, a pass. But I, I guess, is there is there any viability that they can plug and fill these holes in the time allotted that Aaron Rodgers would need in order to, you know, get back to competing competing for a Super Bowl? And 
you know, reality being, you know, what percentage? I'm assuming it's probably eighty to ninety percent of your the holes you're going to have to fill. Reality still dictates that you're going to have to do it through the draft. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Packers realistically, with the cap space they have, especially if Jimmy Graham does end up retiring, which he kind of alluded to on social media, we aren't entirely sure, I guess, as a fan base, what's going on there. Um, but if the Packers do decide to move on from him, that frees up cap space. You look at guys like Lane Taylor, um, but then you have to consider if they re-sign Mason Crosby, Brian Balaga. Um, so the cap situation is tricky enough right now with the Packers wanting to retain their own guys at this point that I don't see them spending big money on too many positions. They can maybe go get one or two guys on um, average-sized contracts, I would say, at this point, unless um, there's like a surprise cut that takes place. Um, but yeah, I think that this team is going to have to do a lot of the rebuilding and the fine tuning through the draft. And it's not necessarily easy to do that when you're picking 30th. Um, I don't see Brian Gutekunst trading up at this point. Uh, I could be mistaken, of course, but I think that he's in a position now where the roster is close and he'll just use his picks that he has wisely, maybe trade back even, um, a la Ted Thompson to recoup a couple more picks and just really focus on, bolstering the roster um, to see if any of those mid-round gems become kind of the spark that the offense or defense needs to put everything together. Well, and, you know, you'd mentioned kind of filling some of these needs through, you know, mid, mid-level mid free agent signings. And so one question that you had brought up, I'm really curious to know your answer. I've got a quick thought on this, but um, this past offseason – Green Bay let Randall Cobb go. He signed a one-year, $5 million deal with the Dallas Cowboys. So he is now a free agent again, and it, it is unclear right now, you know, if Dallas will want him back, if they will let him walk. Uh, it's unclear what they are going to do with that, but you would broach the question, with the receiver room being what it is right now, is it worth looking at? Is it worth consideration if Randall Cobb is – willing to leave Dallas, if Dallas is willing to let him walk, is it is it reasonable to think that Gutekunst would consider bringing Randall Cobb back to this team for next year? I think this is really hard, and I guess I was curious on other takes because I don't think I have like a strong stance. I think I could be easily talked into either um, side, but the way that I look at it is this. Obviously, the Packers are comfortable letting Randall Cobb go. Um, His production in 2018 had declined throughout the season. Um, He wasn't making that kind of impact we thought that he necessarily could or should make, even with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, um, even opposite Devontae Adams playing in the slot. um, He didn't really look like the Randall Cobb that Packers fans were accustomed to seeing in Green Bay, and he wasn't really playing that um, Aaron Rodgers chemistry game that we were used to. Um, So for that reason, I think, the answer would be no. I wouldn't look into bringing him back. Uh, typically, when the GM moves on from someone, it's for a good reason. And I think that they realized his contract was a little high um, for the production that he was offering. But at the same time, like you said, if the Super Bowl window is a couple of years and that's it, and Randall Cobb is one of Aaron Rodgers' most trusted targets, the idea that maybe you bring him back and still draft a receiver in the second round and get your guy for the future while letting Randall Cobb fill that slot role that's been kind of elusive in Green Bay this season. Um, the argument could be made, yeah, maybe you do bring him back, knowing that it's like a one-year deal again or a two-year deal 
while you bring up some younger guys because that chemistry with Rodgers and being on the same page, I think, is still something this offense is missing. Yeah, you know, and so I think so. The Randall Cobb thing to me is a very it's a very interesting discussion point for a lot of reasons, and I think the reality comes down to, I think for me, it really comes down to what are you going to have to pay to get him to come back to Green Bay? Because I think we can all agree that it's not, it wouldn't be for a very high price, but you know, I think part of the reason why I think they let him go in the offseason was he was, he wasn't, like you said, putting up the production that, you know, everybody thought that he would be, and you know, the 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 salary that he was making was much higher than, uh, you know, again, than what he was producing on the field. And I think that when they let him go, they felt really confident in the young receivers they had in the wide receiver room. And they said, all right, you know, he's we've got all these younger players who are bigger and faster than 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 uh, not Geronimo Allison, but Randall Cobb, and I think they felt really good with where they they knew it was going to still be a process. But I don't think any of them foresaw the struggles that this you know that this receiver room had. And if if you need any more proof, think about it like this: Green Bay's un, unequivalent number two wide receiver in the NFC Championship game was Alan Lazard. They cut him at the end of the preseason and brought him back to the practice squad, which means that the receiver room was so bad outside of Devontae Adams that a guy that they cut at the end of preseason and re-signed to the practice squad worked his way up to the number two spot on the roster. So I would say that it's at least worth attempting because at this point, Devontae Adams we know will be back next year. And with the way Alan Lazard has played, unless he just has an egregiously awful preseason and training camp, I think he'll be back on the roster. But I think at this point, I really think that Green Bay is kind of resigned to the fact that outside of those two guys, none of the receivers are guaranteed a roster spot. I mean, they cut Jamon Moore one year after, after drafting him. And so Valdez Scantling, while I'm not saying they're going to cut him, my point is, is they they showed that they would cut Jamon Moore after one season. There's no reason to believe that they would keep him on the roster if he doesn't perform well in the preseason. I think Geronimo Allison has probably been a he's been a very big disappointment this season. And Jake Kumaro, as much as everybody in Wisconsin loves him, and as much as Aaron Rodgers has talked him up over the past two seasons, he. Sh- doesn't throw him the football, so it's not like he's making that much of an impact. I think they're kind of start. They're going to really not look to start over at the receiver room, but I really think that they're going to keep every option open. And I think if Randall Cobb is willing to come back on a cheap deal, I think it's something that Gutekunst really has to consider going into this off season. So. Um, the other uh, question that I wanted to uh, get at, Maggie, with you is just the, the receiver room in general. It really was, you know, as I kind of alluded to, it, it really was a mess um, this whole season. And I guess we all know that Devontae Adams is great. We all know he's coming back. But, you know, do you feel that any of the other receivers have earned kind of a – guaranteed spot come week one of 2020? I actually said this earlier um, to someone else, but I think Alan Lazard, like you mentioned, 
starts the season as wide receiver too, barring any huge free agent signings. If they brought Cobb back, things like that. You know, if they sign a Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson is your wide receiver too. But going in right now, even if the Packers draft wide receiver in the first round, given the chemistry that Alan Lazard has with Aaron Rodgers, I don't expect a, a rookie wide receiver to start over him. So I think that for sure you've got Adams and Lazard. Um, but then I guess at this point, I'm not really sure. I think what the Packers are probably going to end up doing is seeing what kind of market players like Geronimo Ellison have um, when they test free agency. If Geronimo Ellison can come back for a million and they just you know test him in training camp and see what happens – um, he could very well be a roster cut on cut down day for the 53. But I think that bringing some of these receivers back, at least for training camp, to see if they can make that leap in a full off season with the second year in a Matt LaFleur system isn't a terrible idea. I don't think they want to go into the 2020 season with only two wide receivers that have familiarity with Aaron. Um, but I do think that the competition is pretty wide open. And I, do, I don't think we can forget Equinemia St. Brown either in the impact he I was just going to ask you about yeah. him. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> um, well, and so you, you, we bring up Equinemia St. Brown, and it's interesting because they've already cut one of the, they cut, like we said, Jamon Moore. He was the first receiver that they drafted. Uh, Valdez Scantley came into the season as kind of the number two guy on, on the roster, and he played a, a career low one snap uh last Sunday against the 49ers and then Equinemius St. Brown who really kind of came on strong at the end of his rookie season he missed all of this year with a, a, a leg and ankle injury where does he fit into this and you know I, it's it's kind of unfair to say that you know a, a season loss to injury can hurt him but given the fact that they've already cut one of the receivers they're really disappointed in another does he get any extra consideration as far as how much more time he gets with the Packers uh, based on basically saying that he's had a lost season and he's really coming into just his second year here I think that he'll definitely get a little bit more consideration especially um, just given the production that he had made um, his rookie season kind of towards the end of the year. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think that any of these guys are going to be afforded the opportunity to regress. Like maybe um, MVS was this season. You know, I think if there's the opportunity for them to take a step backwards, it's not a luxury that the Packers can afford right now to be developing young receivers, to build chemistry with Aaron Rodgers when he's maybe, going to play a couple more seasons, you know, and by the time he retires, these guys are looking for massive contracts to go build chemistry with a different quarterback. So I don't know. To me, I guess at this point, I would say that Devontae Adams is just about your only roster lock. It would be really tough to see Alan Lazard not in Green Bay next season. And then outside of that, you know, the rookies are going to take time to develop. I would bet massive amounts of money in the Packers draft, at least one wide receiver in, in such a loaded class, if not two. Um, so I think that that right away is like four roster spots. And I wouldn't be surprised if they target the free agency. So five. So I guess it depends how many wide receivers they want to keep on the roster and who they think would be the better developmental prospect between guys like EQ and MVS. They could come down to MVS, Equinemius, and Jake Kumro all battling for maybe one roster spot. Yeah, and, you know, as much as I've been a fan of Kumaro and, you know, 
love the guy, but I, I think I think he's going to be somebody on the outside looking in at the end of training camp this coming season. So, um, well, with that, a couple of things before we wrap up here. Uh, as you may have noticed, Jacob went very quiet during this ep- during this uh, podcast episode. Uh, he had to run off and be with his child. Uh, so, family, baby, always comes first. So. Um, that is why Jacob was absent for most of the podcast. So, uh, and then Maggie, quickly, the other thing uh, we didn't talk about this pre-show, but um, I figured it'd be a good way to end the season. And if I catch you off guard here, I apologize. But <laughs> one last green and golden for the year. Uh, it could be a green and golden for the entire season, and this doesn't. This could be positive, negative. Or it could be just with the game this past – well, you know, let's just keep it to this game, the game this past Sunday. Who gets your green and golden from the NFC Championship game? I'm giving my green and golden to head coach Matt LaFleur because I feel like he was riding a high of, uh, you know, a franchise record-setting career season in his first year as a head coach going into Green Bay – or going into the NFC Championship game, having just won a playoff game in Green Bay – the mood all week was that this outcome was going to be so different compared to the first showing. It was going to be close. They were going to put their best foot forward. And then they went down 27 to zero. So while I'm confident that, you know, these are the growing pains that come with a rookie head coach. Now his brother and his best friend and, you know, some guys that he's really close to are riding off to the Super Bowl, And he has an entire off season to think about how he was 60 minutes away from doing the same thing. So because of that, Matt LaFleur gets my puppy um, for the NFC Championship game and honestly for the whole season, just for the ride that he took Packers fans on. And I think that he far exceeded expectations. So even falling short in a championship game, he still took the Packers to a championship game. And for that, he deserves a puppy. Absolutely. Well, my green and golden, I have two to give out. Um, well, I, I, you know, I'm just only going to give out one because I don't need the ire of Packer fans. Um, But I'm going to give my green and golden to uh, Mike Pettin and the defense. Um, It was not a great showing. At one point, I think it was into the fourth quarter, Jimmy Garoppolo had thrown the ball six times, and it was because he didn't need to throw the ball. Uh, It was was not a good game defensively, and – you know, sometimes that just happens. Sometimes you run into a team that's just – they're just better than, than you on that day, and that's okay. As much as it sucks the season ended the way that it did, I don't think there's any shame in saying that the Packers lost on the road to the 49ers for the right to go to the Super Bowl. So, um, well, before we officially wrap up here, Maggie, very quickly, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, follow your work, how do they do that? You can follow me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I write for Cheesehead TV, and I can't say anything else about it, but I will have a secret project probably dropping on Twitter sometime in February. So keep an eye out for that secret project, mm. and make sure you check it out when it drops. Secret project. Any Anything you can give us, or can you not give us anything? I can't give you anything yet, but Nothing if you're not yet? sick of me already, you will be soon. All right. All right. Well, I... <laughs> Depends on who you're talking to, I guess. I am not in that camp. So, um, Well, Jacob, obviously, like I said, he had to go be with his daughter. But if you want to follow him, uh, you can do so on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf, just his name. Um, he's also uh, works with Packer Report 66. I can't do all the same plugging that he does because I don't. 
I don't know all of his plugs as well as he does, so I'll just next time he's on, he he does it every time. So just go listen to a different episode <laughs> in which he speaks, and you'll be able to get it that way as well. So uh, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you so much for supporting us through our second season of Pack a Day podcast, Maggie. I know this is your first full season with us. It's been great having you uh, on the team, part of the team, and we're just looking forward to. Well, I guess. We'll start with the Super Bowl. I'm looking forward to it, even though the Packers aren't in it. But we're looking to, forward to a great offseason. We're going to have content for you every day. And I know it's going to start ramping up here in the next probably probably six weeks, if not sooner, of just draft coverage. The draft is in April. It's really, when you think about it, it's really not that far away. And so we'll be covering all of that for you, all the free agent signings in March, all the draft coverage in March through April leading up to the draft. So stay tuned right here to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And as always, Go Pack Go! class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring podcasts on the blue wire network 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.